0: Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's sermon podcast at Yarmouth Wesleyan. We hope that you are encouraged by the message that you're about to hear. uh, And we'd really appreciate uh, if you would subscribe on Apple Music or follow us on Spotify. That really helps us continue uh, to do the work that we are doing. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the message. Is our God good, church? Let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and all the credit for the new life that we have seen thus far. Uh, You're just doing some incredible things, God, and we thank you for the testimony of all those who have been baptized. And God, it's, it's just a work of you. And may we be reminded in our lives that it's not just you get baptized and then you're done. It's a journey. And we're on that journey, Lord so we just pray that you will speak to us and continue uh, to encourage our souls with the rest of our time together. You are the king. You are good. You are worth giving our entire lives over to, and so we just ask that you will uh, have your way and do a good thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may go ahead and have a seat. Man, those baptisms were great, were they not? Wow. And the thing that I love about it, and you've heard us say this before, but we mean it sincerely, we do not baptize perfect people. We're fully on board with that. We baptize ordinary people who are deciding to follow what they know of Jesus thus far. Doesn't mean they know everything. Doesn't mean they have it all together. They just like what they see of Jesus. And as they continue to grow in that, that journey becomes that much more richer and deeper, even through the ups and the downs. Amen? And that's what this is about. It is about the journey, and we are thankful for what God is doing. And when we talk about what we know of Jesus thus far... That's actually the purpose of this series that we've been going through for the last five weeks, and we're in week six now. We are unpacking the things that Jesus said about himself and about who he is, and so far we've covered Jesus saying that I am the bread of life, I am the light, I am the door for the sheep, I am the good shepherd and I am the resurrection. Those are the first five weeks, and if you missed some or all of them, you can go back online to our website, and uh, you can watch through those sermons and kind of catch up to what, who Jesus is. Today, I'm gonna ask you to turn to John chapter 14. If you brought a Bible, it'll be on the screen uh, as well for you, but John chapter 14, and I wanna jump right in to the setting of where we are seeing Jesus and the disciples, They are at the Last Supper, uh, the Passover feast, the big Jewish holiday every year. But leading up to this moment, a lot has been going on. Jesus had been given a king's welcome. Into Jerusalem, Like he came in on a donkey, which to us is no big deal, of course. But people were just celebrating and praising him. They were so excited that he had come into Jerusalem. He had come with his posse. They were waving palm branches and all this stuff. He was being praised as the king of Israel. It was a sight. It's been a while since we've seen a decent parade uh, anywhere in the world, it seems, lately. But this was a parade of a ton of joy and excitement as Jesus was coming in. And the waving of the palm branches, what these people were doing, you understand this as Palm Sunday if you've been around the church any amount of time. The waving of the palm branches symbolized victory over the enemy. Because these people who had welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem were convinced, they were sure of it, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that he was the Messiah, that he was going to be the one to lead Israel to political and military victory over their enemies, going to put Israel back on the map. Look out, Romans, here we go. We are back. That's what they were certain of. And they were excited for it. They were celebrating Jesus coming in. But many of those people who welcomed him ironically would be the same ones who just days later were calling out for his execution. And so needless to say, a whole lot is changing. A whole lot is going on in this setting. And it was a really confusing time if you were someone who spent any amount of time around Jesus. There was so much to take in. And so we parachute into the Last Supper. Jesus gathered in the upper room with his disciples, the last chance to be together. Uh, He knew it. They didn't understand it before he would be arrested and eventually crucified. But we get to John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. And you know the way to where I am going. In verse five. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, and here's where we're camping out for our time together. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and have seen him. And so here's the thing about what Jesus was saying as the truth and the way and the life. The thing about that is everyone wants the life Jesus is talking about. He doesn't necessarily outline it right here, but the life that he's talking about is what every single one of us in this room want. We all want peace in the midst of chaos, do we not? Is there anyone in this room who would reject that? Anyone online? I wouldn't anticipate that. We all want strength to face our challenges in life. Amen? Okay, we're rolling so far. Would you like some purpose in your life that gets you up in the morning? Yes, of course. How about freedom from regrets from your past? Man, good healing. Perhaps that even seems unattainable right now. Stick around a little while longer and eventually you'll hear about it. Would you like hope in the darkness in life? Hope that it gets better. Or at the very least, to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you matter and you are loved? That's the kind of life that Jesus is talking about. This is full life. And Jesus claimed a little while earlier in John 10 that he came to give us life to the fullest. Sparing nothing. Came to give us life to the fullest. This is, this is all good stuff. But here's something that I know really, really well about myself, and I know really, really well about each and every one of us. We are so good at chasing after these things, all these things that make good life as we could imagine it. We are so good at chasing after these things with our own ideas, our own plans, and our own expectations, am I right? We are really good at looking elsewhere for this life that Jesus promised. I spent a lot of time this spring looking for life elsewhere, despite what Jesus promised. I had a really good time watching the Montreal Canadiens this spring. Didn't everyone? Wasn't that fun? That was just such a great time. Everyone loved it. Here's the thing. Those games were on so late. So, so late. And I had a great time with every single one of them. But ask Amy, ask my family, with all that uh, adrenaline chasing that I was doing, watching them win those games, and eventually not making it all the way, but that's okay. Watching all those games, I was so tired when I got up in the morning. If you live in eastern Canada, you don't really have anything going for you as, watching th- as, as far as watching things uh, on the TV goes, because everything's so late, and so I was exhausted, and I had a lot of fun watching those games, but because of my own ideas, my energy suffered from it, I wasn't as attentive to my family sometimes, perhaps I wasn't even necessarily as attentive in my work, but that's just one foolish example. It actually gets quite destructive when we are chasing adrenaline and where we're chasing after the life and all its satisfaction through some far more weighty things like escaping life through drinking, perhaps, or you're looking for love through lots of different partners and just hoping to find the right one, and perhaps some of those relationships aren't always healthy. Or you're looking for satisfaction. Sometimes we do this through things that can fill us like food. Or well, if you're looking for satisfaction through food, that can quickly turn into too much food. Or spending, if you get the newest thing, the latest thing, one more thing, it turns into not just a little spending, a lot of spending and so on and so forth and eventually we get caught up in things we shouldn't. Perhaps we have too much time on social media, all these things that maybe you're thinking, if I get just a little more of this or just the, the, right, the right angle of it, then I will have this satisfaction that I'm looking for in life. Maybe it'll fill that void that you've got, it'll fill whatever it is that you might be looking for. The problem is that our plans, our efforts, the things that we tend to turn to in life instead of Jesus, they don't actually give us what we need. We might mean really well with them. We might be really hopeful. We might anticipate that they could, but they usually end up actually getting us further away from what we need. And so there's Jesus saying, just kind of redirecting everyone to himself, saying, I'm the life. It's all right here. I'm here for you. I'm everything you need. And this should actually be the easiest decision for any of us in life. For Jesus to stand in front of us and say, I am everything you need, we should be able to say, that sounds awesome, I'm with you, close the book, let's close in prayer, we're done for the night. It should be that simple, should it not? It doesn't really have to be that complicated. However, the problem is that you and I often tend to resist either the Jesus way or the Jesus truth. Because he didn't just say, I'm the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. There's a whole lot more to it. We see that the, reci- the disciples resisted these things with Jesus. Even they did, they resisted the way of Jesus because they were convinced he was going to be their hero. He, they were convinced he was going to be their political guy who would put Israel back on the map, make everything okay again. But as they came into Jerusalem, they had that triumphal entry. They were excited. They, you know they would have been on cloud nine looking at each other like shaking, going, this is amazing, the coolest thing they'd ever seen. But then Jesus started saying some really weird things about how he wasn't always going to be around and things were going to change, and that would have really rattled them, and they would have seen that maybe this isn't what we actually thought it was going to be. They resisted the way of Jesus, but they also resisted the truth, too, because, again, in verse 7, Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Like, I'm right here, guys. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Verse 8, Philip. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Like, Buddy, Philip, I'm right here. I'm right in front of you. You've seen everything you've needed to see. You've seen the Father if you've looked at me. Even though they'd seen Jesus, even though the truth was right in front of them, and we get this, we know how to do this, they resisted. it. The problem for the disciples is as they grew up waiting for and eventually meeting the Messiah, they developed their own expectations along the way of what that was going to be like. They had their thoughts of what the Messiah was going to do, how he was going to operate, and then, to their disappointment, their expectations didn't work out to the point where they all had their own understanding of Jesus, but as soon as he was arrested, as soon as visibly before their eyes, Jesus was arrested and everything started to turn, they all bailed, they were gone, out, just like that, they didn't stick around. When we come to Jesus, or even if we just observe from a distance, like maybe you're in church and you're thinking, I don't really know what all this about is about, but I just kinda wanna check it out and, and get a feel for it and see if I can understand a little bit of what's going on, that's great, we're glad you're here. When we come to Jesus or if we just observe him, we form our own expectations of him as well. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're accurate and sometimes they're not. Like maybe you think of Jesus and you love the truth side of it. And you think, oh, I would get a kick out of believing the right things and following the rules. Like, if you're a rule follower, perfect. Excellent, you're on your way. With that, it's actually very possible to lose sight of Jesus' manner of life, just how he lived. We can have inaccurate expectations. Like, you can come to church for a long time. You can be a Christian for a long time. You can follow Jesus for a long time, believe all the right things, say all the right stuff, read your Bible every day, pray every day, all of these things that perhaps you've heard and have just decided, okay, so that's how to do it. You could do all these things and still be frustrated by being a broken person. Have you noticed that? Man, like, why is that? That drives me nuts sometimes. I do it too. You can try your hardest, try to have everything lined up, and still get discouraged at your core because you just, you know you're not good enough despite how hard you try to be good. Is that resonating? We can follow that? In that moment, you and I need more. We need more than just the truth. Or perhaps you could, you might uh, resonate with the other side of it, and maybe you love that Jesus is all about love and grace, and he is invitational, and he welcomes anyone in. doesn't matter what's going on, but you bristle at the idea that he is the one who has set what truth is, and that as much as me, we might like, you and I don't get a say in the matter of what truth is. Or maybe you think truth just isn't even all that important to begin with. Why bother? Let's just love Jesus and treat each other well and be, and be good people. When you've got the way Jesus lived, because he was open, he was invitational, he did welcome anyone, he welcomed people that no one else did. When you've got the way Jesus lived without his truth, you get all the smiles, we get all the warm and fuzzies, but it lacks authority and direction, and it falls apart at the hint of conflict or pain. Because here's how this goes. If you like what you see of Jesus, if you like what you see of of how he lived, how he operated, you might say, I love following Jesus. I love doing the things that he did. I love love week and all that kind of stuff, and it's great. But what if Jesus gets to the point where he says, great, I'm glad you're in. I'm glad you love all this stuff. Now let's get to work on not lusting after other people. Hang on. Or he says, let's get to work on your budget. Can we put some generosity in there with your money? Hang on. I didn't didn't sign up for that. I just love doing the Jesus thing. Where did my money come into this? Or heaven forbid, even... Let's get to work on forgiving the person who hurt you. It's, it, can be, it can be so inviting to say, I'm all the way in on Jesus, and we love how he, how he d- just displayed who God is, but the second you start to trickle a little bit of truth in there, that can start to be really difficult sometimes, or perhaps something falls apart in your life and you're angry, and sure, you're happy that Jesus loves you in it, but you still need truth as guidance for what's next. Because when life hurts, we need something to be rooted in, do we not? When something's falling apart, you need something steady that you can cling to, something that you can hold to, because without truth, we lack substance. We need more than just the way. Lots of people live with an incomplete and dysfunctional faith because we're missing chunks of who Jesus is And therefore, they might have some life, and some is better than none, if we call it what it is, but it's not the life that Jesus is talking about. He's got something more. He's got got much more for us. John 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, here it is, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Here's the thing, Jesus is full of grace and truth. He doesn't actually offer just whichever half you prefer. If you only want the truth part, and you're thinking, I'm all in on that, Jesus, let's go. Or you would only like the way and just leave the truth stuff over here and just operate the way Jesus might have. That's not what he offers. He is full of both. He is all the way in on the truth, all the way in on the way. He's full of each of them. And therefore, the life that he's talking about, the life that he claims to his disciples, is trusting in all Of Jesus. Every part of him. The way and the truth. Verses 9 to 11, Jesus said to him, he's responding to Philip, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Trusting all of Jesus, not just part of him, trusting all of Jesus is the way to who God really is. Trusting everything about Jesus, not just parts, everything about him is how you and I, in our ordinary lives, get to God. And God, to bring it full circle, wants to bless us with full life. The stuff that you and I love to chase in other parts of this world, looking for other things to satisfy, looking for other things to cure what ails us. God wants to bless us with the full life, and how he does that is when we trust all of Jesus to make us complete instead of looking to these other things. This might be news. This might be brand new information for you right now of you can be complete, whatever it is that you might be holding in your back pocket thinking that is not enough in me and I wish it was different. You can be complete by trusting entirely in all of Jesus. That is good news. That is good news because he has already done the hard work of it. He has already died. He has already risen again. He lays it out for us freely. So if you tend to be legalistic, if you tend to be by the book and pretty rigid, Jesus wants to add some grace to that mix in your life to let you be able to breathe and rest. Because that's what grace does. Grace allows us to catch up a little bit, to take a step back, to just kind of look around and breathe deeply because when grace is involved, you and I don't have to try so hard anymore. You don't have to be all put together. You don't have to be the smartest kid in your class. You don't have to score the most goals or make the most baskets. You don't have to be the most popular. You don't have to be the wisest. You don't have to be anything. You can just be loved by who God is because Jesus is the way to that. It's just... And that's me. I'm, I'm a truth guy by default. I'm also a perfectionist, which is a rotten combo if you really think of it. So I tend to be really, really hard on myself. And I have spent a lot of time, even in, in 25 years of following Jesus, a lot of time of trying really hard to be good enough. I've wasted so much energy just failing over and over and over again and being frustrated with myself and and just, and it's only been the last couple of years and I wish I could recall right now how he did it, what he said it through, but it's just been the last couple of years. It might have been Alpha. Take Alpha. Alpha's great. That God has implanted on my heart that there is even grace for me because it's easy to look and say, well, we all need grace, but not necessarily believe it for ourselves. He's been, working on my heart of Dave, Like, stop living in your shame. Stop believing everything else and trying to earn your way and just accept that you are loved and accept that I've already done it for you. I have a pretty thick head with that. He's working on me a lot. I think it's getting somewhere (laughs) I'm banking on it getting somewhere man in the moments where I believe them and and welcome that and I realize I don't have to try so hard anymore church that is life that is freedom and I'm glad for that freedom in Jesus and you can take Dave and me out of that and and replace it with your name and you and it's the same thing It's for all of us. Jesus is enough. If you tend to be grace only and you're thinking, ah, I love church. I love being here. I I feel encouraged and I love singing the songs. I just feel so good when I leave and you feel Jesus just tapping you on the shoulder because he wants to to take you deeper and you might be resisting it. Please, at the very least, have the conversation with him. At the very least, see what he might want to do to birth something new and beautiful in your life that you and I can't get when we're just watching from the outside. That's one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery. People come in broken and they know it. <laughs> we all know it. And so often people come in and, and they say, if, when they, whenever they decide to open up, here's why I'm here. And usually it's an, an outer expression of some sort of hurt or habit, or hang up, some sort of pain. But as, as they start to work on listening to what Jesus says and trusting the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has this way of tapping on the shoulder a little bit more and just peeling back one layer at a time. And that can be really unnerving, like, huh, I gotta work on that. I didn't sign up for that. But what he's doing is when he wants to peel back a layer, he wants to heal in that layer. When he's calling you to truth he's calling you to freedom then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free it's what he does we don't expect it we don't expect it. we can't you can't predict it but he is the way he is the truth when you've got those things when you've got the fullness of jesus you've got the life that god offers life in Jesus is going to look very different for all of us as far as our circumstances go. We can all have life. And I, I, everyone, we can all have life. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you haven't done. Or even if you're brand new to all of this, you don't fully understand it. I mentioned how the disciples went away. They, they took off when Jesus was being arrested about to be crucified. They, they came back once jesus rose from the dead he reeled them in and then they embraced him as the way and the truth and the life and as jesus was getting ready to send the disciples out to spread the word to more people about him like go guys go tell them you know it to be true now go tell them Peter was really concerned momentarily on whether all of them, all these disciples would be on the same playing field. Like, are we all going to have the same assignment? Is it going to work out the same way for each and every one of us? Is life for me, Jesus, going to be the same as life for this guy? And Jesus just, he said to him, "Mm, it's not the point. Peter, I'll take care of them. You focus on me. We spend so much time in our lives looking at everything else that's going on, wondering about everyone else, and just hoping that maybe if we put it all together properly, we can find that life. Peter trusted what Jesus said to him. and He went on to have some pretty significant things go on. Not all easy, but life to the full. Church, if we believe and trust that Jesus is the way and the truth, there's our life.